What's going on, guys? This is the Leafs Combo Podcast for Vanguard Northeast Realty in Scarborough, vanguardne.ca. As always, Norman James in London, Ontario, Canada, joined by the one and only Michael Piagello, coming to you from Cheektowaga, New York, USA. Michael, the Marlies looking good against the Monsters up in the series. It seems for this team, destined again for another conference final. Well, yeah, they're playing. I mean, I was up for the first two games in Toronto on Wednesday and Friday, and Friday was not a, a great performance, but uh, they they were able to get some key goals early in the game. Uh, Igor Korshkov made an impression with his first goal, and then they uh, score a goal in overtime. Michael Carcone uh, set up by Jeremy Bracco. I mean, they're you know it, it's a sign of a good team when they're not playing at their best that they're still able to win. And the Marlies have been able to do that. Well, Rockfeen on the YouTube comment section says our last podcast didn't age well because Igor Korshkov in his debut with the Marlies scored a nice one. I guess we were ripping Korshkov apart. First of all, I said, well, we don't know when he's going to get back in the lineup or get into the lineup. And then they put him in in game two. Now, that's... I mean, I guess a statement on how much confidence they have in him. And they played him with uh, Pietro Timoshov to you know, experienced guys. So they were comfortable uh, in putting him in there. But, you know, I, I, I was there and I saw he was, he did not look good in the first period. He, his skating was sort of short and choppy, which from a six foot four guy, you don't expect. But as the game went along, he became more comfortable and he, uh, he threw his weight around, which is not usually uh, part of his MO. He wanted to show that kind of ability in his first American Hockey League game. So, uh, in front of his dad, who had traveled from Russia, and then he scores his first uh, professional goal in North America mm-hmm. on a really nice feed for Ra- from Rasmus Sandin. So, you know, all in all, it was an impressive performance. But again, we don't know whether he's going to be a Marley next year or he's going to be a Leaf next year. How beneficial do you think it is for Korshkov to join a Marley's team that is defending its AHL crown, about to go on to a third round? Coming to a positive situation has to be good for him. Yeah, and not having to stand out as the star player. You know, a much ballyhooed draft pick, played in the KHL for a number of years. You know, normally that kind of setup would say, okay, you know, everybody would be there and everybody has expectations. Here he's just sort of one cog in the wheel where, you know, he's expected to do his thing, play his role, And, uh, you know, he contributed, but it's not like they expect him to be the star of the team right off the bat. Hmm. This is the Leaps Combo podcast for Vanguard Northeast Realty in Scarborough, VanguardNE.ca. Michael, the Boston Bruins are one away from the NHL Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think they're going to get over Mount Tortorella and reach the Final Four? Well, the way they played in the last couple games makes you think that they will. But, I mean, I, I think Columbus provides them more challenges in some different different ways than the Leafs did. Uh, I mean, the Leafs had, I think, better, a lot more skill than, uh, than, the, than the Blue Jackets. But, but the Blue Jackets have more size, and I think they physically have been able to withstand as much as uh, the Bruins have been able to put out. In fact, I think they've been the aggressor in mm-hmm. some instances. So it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty good for them. So now you know I I I, I look at that series and I th- I picked I picked Columbus in six because mm-hmm. I thought the Bruins would be would be worn out uh, after playing the Leafs. Um, but they did the same thing that they did 
to the Leafs in game four in Columbus as they did to Toronto in game four, coming out, taking the early lead, and then basically playing the sh- their shutdown game. And, and, and then, I mean, game five was nuts. I mean, I, all, I, I know, all I know is how, how many you know, bad goals can be given <laughs> up in the span of like five or six minutes at the end of the third period. I mean, these are two pretty good defensive clubs. And, um, you know, they, they were just – it was just – it was sort of like 80s hockey where they were trading chances back and forth. But, you know, now the Bruins have the lead, and Tortorella came out and said that, you know, they're going to be back in Boston for game seven. For, for viewers' sake, I hope so. Never disparage, my friend, 80s hockey. Not only was it 80s hockey, it was Leafs 80s hockey. And, yeah, uh, you have to find out and discover that for yourself. You know, people keep pointing the finger at a, a botched move by – Kyle Dubas in not retaining the services of Curtis McElhaney because McElhaney is with the Carolina Hurricanes going to the Eastern Conference Final. I don't really know if this has anything to do with that, Mike. Do you? No, I I mean, honestly, the first thing that came to my mind after I saw the uh, Hurricanes four-game sweep the Islanders was the Islanders had scored five goals in four games. Do you think you missed a guy named Tavares a little bit? Because I think they did. And now that they overachieved, they got into the playoffs. They had a great year with Leonard performing great in goal. Uh, and they, they were able to beat Pittsburgh. But I think the Islanders are in for a sort of a wake-up call um, now with a lot of unrestricted free agents. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to sign mm-hmm. all of them. So they could take, they could take the step back next year than we ex- that we expected them to take this year. As for Carolina, I mean – you know, I've underestimated them all year. I think McElhaney played really well in in, uh, in relief of Morazic. But that team, I mean, again, I look at teams in the league right now that are succeeding in the playoffs, and I think the common denominator is deep, talented mm-hmm. defenses. St. St. Louis, Dallas, uh, you know, Columbus, Boston, all of them have really good defense. The Leafs don't. The Leafs don't. Carolina's need a deep defense, yeah. as long as number twenty nine's out there with his awesome beard. The Leafs' defense, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, the young guys are coming up; they'll figure it out. And people who are listening to the convo will probably be listening to it based on uh, it being uh, in my blog on Hockey Buzz, and obviously in on other things like TuneIn Radio and other outlets. But my blog today was regarding the promise, you know, the, the noted promise of, of, of that William Nylander said that Kyle Dubas made to him that he will not be moved. Well, I pulled the quote directly from my, uh, my audio recording and directly from the, uh, the, the video on, on the late Maple Leafs YouTube page of Kyle Dubas and Kyle Dubas mm-hmm. did not say when he was asked, that he, he he promised William Nylander that he would not trade him. He said, uh, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, we will do our best to keep him. <laughs> and that's not a promise. And he has no contractual, no trade clause, not until get year six of his contract. <laughs> so I don't want to hear about it. If, if it's beneficial for the Maple Leafs to trade William Nylander, to get a defenseman, to get help in other areas – I don't think that's option A for Dubas, but I think it is an option. So this, you know, I know a lot of people have been writing the last week or so. Well, they're not going to trade William Nealander because of the promise. That's insane. Screw the that promise. That is insane. And we know that Nealander fans were just really heavy into 
Nylander and building him up through advanced stats and tearing any of his competitors or contemporaries down, believe that in some way, shape, or fashion, Kyle Dubas will continue this data plan and get rid of that dastardly Mitch Marner so William Nylander can get you know more of the more of the press, more of the spotlight. Big Hoser on Twitter wants to know if any of the defensemen on the Marlies could make the jump to the big club next season. And if Nylander is traded away for defense, does Brocko step right in? We kind of addressed this on the last podcast, but I don't know if you saw anything new or if you want to uh, update your feelings on the Marley's defensive situation and how Brocko might fit in going forward? Well, I, I, you know, I've checked in on the Marley's during the season because, you know, I'm concentrating on the Leafs, you know, been able to watch some games on the AHL uh, website and, you know, went to the occasional game, but I've only been able to really focus on them as the playoffs uh, have gone on. And I went to game three against Rochester in the first two games against Cleveland. And I have to say, that I'm extremely, extremely impressed with Sandin because Sandin is just, he's a 19-year-old. He doesn't play like a 19-year-old. He knows where to go on the ice, and he just seems to find his way there. And uh, he's, a, he's an excellent power play quarterback with a, a pretty decent shot. So, I mean, that, I mean I, I give him an, an okay chance to make it because I think they're going to be a little – careful in terms of a 19 year old making the league maybe they do what they did with, with Travis Dermott last year and bring him bring him up halfway through the year I think Liljegren has a good chance he he's not going to blow you away offensively but he's a right hand shot he's strong in terms of rushing the puck uh, you know he could fit in as a right hand shot on the bottom pairing and I, I think he would be he would be fine in that yeah, but it again that'll be up to uh, Mike Babcock uh, at training camp. Now, as for Brocco, there's no doubting my, you know, Brocco is ready for the NHL offensively. Um, you know, he is, a, he's a demon on the power play in terms of his passing ability. Uh, he had four assists in game uh, one uh, against Cleveland. He's just, and, and he had two assists in game two, including the game winner. Uh, he's, I mean, I think he's an elite playmaker and passer at the AHL level, whether that translates to the, to the national hockey league, you can only know by him being there. Uh, the concern with him is defensively. Mm -hmm. I think right now he, you know, he's, he's small. He's not going to knock anybody off the puck. He needs, he needs to get a little stronger, but he tends to make some passes in his own zone that are, are the sort of defy logic. That's mm -hmm. something that somebody learns over time. So maybe he needs another year in the American Hockey League to get that out of the system, but I think the tools are You'd there. want Brocco to come up and be given a chance to succeed in however many minutes he gets. The last thing you need is a, a Brocco player joining a team run by a guy who does it his way or no way and falling out of favor with that guy, Mike. The thing is, Brocco is Brocco. He, he, I don't think he's going to change in terms of the type Nobody of Nobody wants to change on the Leafs. That's what's amazing, Mike. The coach doesn't want to change. Yeah. Nylander doesn't want to change. Brocco now, he doesn't want to change. Austin Matthews wants it his way. Well, honestly, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you look at this team and you look at where they are and where they need to be, and some of these players are going to have mm -hmm. to change. They're going to have to get better defensively. They're going to have to get tougher. Um, they're going to have to have some more pushback. It's just, I mean, that's part of the maturation process when it comes to players in the NHL. They have to grow. 
and change is growth, especially when you're, you know, if you're a skilled player and you don't have any toughness or don't have any sandpaper or don't have any defensive ability, then you have to develop that or you're not going to be an NHL player. What are you seeing from the teams that are still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs that the Leafs can become like? as early as next season. San Jose is sort of an outlier. They're a veteran-laden team. I think this is their one opportunity to win. Um, St. Louis, as I said before, the problem with the Leafs sort of emulating or morphing into one of the teams that are in the playoffs right now is, unless they add two or three defensemen, I don't think they can. Mm. I mean, St. Louis, Dallas, Carolina, they all have defense cores that are four or five deep in quality i mean the the number five defenseman on the carolina hurricanes is calvin dehan who the leafs tried to sign and he probably would have been a top four for the leafs so you know if they make a trade with carolina one of those five defensemen would be uh, assuming would be one of the guys that toronto would be targeting and it's potentially you know a brett pesci or justin falk would be on their top Mm -hmm. pairing so they're not as deep as those teams. They're not as deep as Dallas with Heiskin and, and Essa Lindell and Klingberg. And, oh, by the way, a guy who is the, on their bottom pairing who they used to have named Roman. Mike, Ola. my fear is Kyle Dubas will be very conservative in his play for a defensive upgrade. This team next season should be better than the team that we just saw. Hopefully things do progress and there is a, you know, a really smart transaction made by the general manager. But he may not. I look, I look at the defense, and you take into consideration, you know, safe, just for conversations purposes, say the UFAs that they have, Hainsey and Gardner, are not back. That means you're putting Travis Dermott into a top four position, which I think he's capable of fulfilling. Um, but it also means, you know, you're losing Gardner. That also means that – you know, Zaitsev stays in your top pair. So, you know, you probably have Zaitsev and Muzzin as your number two pairing, maybe Dermot moving up to the top pairing with Riley. And then your five and six could be Timothy Lilligren and Callie Rosen. So veteran presence and pedigree and experience would be considered meaningless. Coached by Mike Babcock, who we know doesn't always support and trust his young players. Well, I don't, I don't think it's meaningless and purposeless, but I think that in the current construct of the team, they can't afford it. You can't afford to re-sign Jake Gardner at five and a half to six million a year. Maybe you can re-sign Hainsey for a year, a couple million dollars, but that's, you know, who knows. If, but, but we know that Babcock will use him on the top pairing mm-hmm. instead of on the bottom pairing. So I have a feeling that probably Dubas won't, won't re-sign him because of that fact. So, so you're talking you're, you're talking about having a defense that's rather inexperienced, and you know, I, I especially the bottom pairing. You know, I I, I think William Lynn can be in the NHL next year. Rosen has continually proved that he's not mm-hmm. durable. I think he's got the talent to be in the league, but he's you know he got injured in Game One against Cleveland. Um, he's been hurt a couple times before. You know. They better have a safety net if they decided to go in that direction. Kyle Dubas has to act, especially if you're going to bring up a Timothy Lilligren to continue to pack the the surroundings of the defense corps with youth. You cannot go forward 
and act as if you are a contender with a defensive core that doesn't have much experience at all and on paper would look less effective than the one that we just saw, Mike. Last few words to you. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the focus of this offseason. To me, it makes no sense to keep as many of these forwards as they have and not address the blue line. I think they want to address the blue line internally, but if you're talking about you know, the next couple years with Marner and Matthews and Tavares making eight figures, you can't mm-hmm. simply take the approach of it being a developmental time. You have to go at it as if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, and I don't think you can win the Stanley Cup with the defense as it's projected to be next year. Uh, any changes in heart when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs? Who you think actually might get through and win this thing now? After the first round, I think I said I think I said uh, Columbus and San Jose. Um, that at least that's who I picked. I picked I picked Columbus. I picked Carolina, uh, San Jose, and uh, and St. Louis. Right now, it looks like Dallas has got a stranglehold. I I think I think San Jose is the team of destiny in the West, and more than likely, I've just you know cursed them. But uh, I think they'll be get past Colorado, and if it's Dallas, I think they'll be very, you know, they'll be significantly favored mm-hmm. uh, over over uh, over the Stars. If Boston gets through, Boston versus Carolina, I mean, how how much longer can the Magic last? Yeah. Uh, in Raleigh, so we'll see. Well, how much longer can the Magic last in Boston? Converts, OGs, people who listen to the podcast, hate listeners. Here's a question for you. Do you want to see Boston lose because they beat the Leafs? Or do the Leafs and you, as a supporter of the Leafs, wear a bit of a badge of honor that the Boston Bruins, the team that took out your squad, is moving on? Let us know on the community platform or inside the YouTube comment section. Michael, have a good one, bud. Thanks, Norm. We would like to thank Vanguard Northeast Realty in Scarborough, title sponsor of the Leafs Convo, demonstrating passion for the industry and a superior level of excellence in selling, leasing, and marketing your property. Vanguard Northeast Realty.